0: Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast with Aaron Holt, Functional Nutritionist. I work with clients on the seacoast of New Hampshire and virtually all over the world through both private consultations and online nutrition programs. I'm here with my co-host, Kyle Mayorana, Registered Dietitian of Root Down Nutrition based in Asheville, North Carolina. We are both board-certified integrative and functional nutritionists. This means we dive deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. In this podcast, we will address all things health, food, and nutrition, discussing our research, clinical experience, and life experience. Please keep in mind our disclaimer, this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or medical treatment. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. What up, my people? It is Erin here, and today we're going to talk all about libido and hormone balance. This is based off of a listener question that came in from Instagram. Instagram. And I won't mention her name because she felt a little bit embarrassed about asking, hey, what's up with low libido? Why don't I have a sex drive? And I want to put it on blast because it's really not something to be embarrassed about. It is pretty common. It's something that I'm seeing quite a bit in clinical practice. I would say at least 50% of my clients report low sex drive and honestly that's a pretty conservative estimate so it's something that's happening out there so we are gonna dive into that and get to the bottom of why your sex drive might be low and if yours isn't low we're just gonna talk about hormone stuff in general so you still want to tune in Uh, no major Announcements to report this week. Uh, My carb compatibility project kicked off, so we're well underway into week one. Um, I'm a little bit less active on social media when my nutrition programs are running just because I tend to post most of my content into those groups. Um, So keep that in mind. And you might notice that my voice is a little bit husky. I am deep into content creation for your hormone revival. So I'm at the point where I'm just recording tons and tons of videos and content. So between that and this podcast and working with my clients, um, my gums never stop flopping. So my voice is sort of suffering. I've been doing a lot of uh, throat lozenges lately. So anyway, let's get into um, sex drive. Uh, First and foremost, a healthy sex drive is a mark and sign of vitality and health. So if you have low libido, and chances are, if you have it, you know you you have it, if you have low libido, that could be an indication that something is going on with your health. It could be a sign of hormonal imbalance, and we will absolutely explore that in depth. But it's important to note that it can also be due to emotional, psychological, or even circumstantial issues. Um, it could be because of relationships issues. If you're feeling emotionally disconnected, if your partner isn't delivering what you need, either emotionally or physically, that can for sure contribute into um, into lack of desire for sex. Um, I just learned recently, and it's really no surprise how different men and women are when it comes to um sexual desire so for men it's a lot more linear and for women it's a lot less linear (laughs) it's kind of like how our hormones work right men work on this 24-hour hormonal cycle while women um, are sort of up and down across (laughs) across the board for 28 days um so we're very very different in this this includes um, our drive for sex so um, oftentimes desire will come first for men, whereas that is not the case for women. Desire comes after connection. So if you're missing that connection piece with your partner, um, that could be a big deal and it for sure warrants a discussion. Um, I think these are sometimes things that we feel uncomfortable talking about. We'll brush them underneath the rug. Um, but we'll explain why it's, why having sex is like really important for your health and so you want to address those issues in your relationship. Um, The lines of communication need to be open, they need to get back on track. Counseling might be really helpful here. And um, I'm saying all of this because it's not always a physiological issue. It's not always a hormonal issue. So I want to address like the big things, get those out of the way before we move into the nitty gritty. Um, Obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but history of sexual abuse could really tie into um, low libido. Um, So that is going to requires some counseling and some trauma therapy. And then also cultural beliefs around women's bodies and the shame we're taught to feel about our bodies. If you think of the term guilty pleasure, it sort of says it all. If we experience any pleasure with our female bodies, whether that's food, sex, physical touch, fun, relaxation, um, then that necess- necessitates feelings of guilt and even though we can mentally reject those old paradigms as we shift into a new one when ideologies are so deeply baked into us we can have unconscious beliefs that guide our decisions and even our physical bodies and even our desires Remember that most of what we do, like I think it's like 98% or something nutty like that is driven by the subconscious. So the things that you're not even aware of. So even though we might not be able to sit here and articulate in our brains, I feel guilty when I receive pleasure or I feel unworthy receiving pleasure. There's this subconscious belief that might be running the show in driving our behavior for a lot of us. Uh, Last year, I read this book called Feminine Genius. It's written by Liana, I believe her is how you pronounce her name, Liana Silver. And I highlighted this section in the book where she talks about the unconscious beliefs of women. She says, needs make you weak. Get rid of all needs. Ask for nothing, take nothing. Get busy giving and doing, but make sure you do it all by yourself. I can't need much because I don't deserve much. I am a mistake. I am not wanted. I don't deserve to be here. I have to earn my existence. And I felt gutted when I originally read that, and now even when I reread it, because how many women can relate to, to some or all of that? How many women at the deepest core of our beings feel this way? And this can extend to so many aspects of our being how we feed ourselves, how we treat ourselves, how we speak to ourselves, how we let others treat treat us and speak to us in the workplace, um, but also with seeking pleasure with our sex lives. I speak so often about how modern medicine is failing women, but these old ingrained beliefs are as well. When we rob ourselves of pleasure, it's actually detrimental to our health. Sex is a health-supporting activity. So I'll say that again for the seats in the back. Sex is a health-supporting activity, and here's why. Orgasm, pleasurable touch, intimacy, all of these things, um, even including self-touch and self-pleasure, all of these things release oxytocin, which is a—it's considered our bliss hormone. It's a hormone that promotes relaxation. It can reduce anxiety and stress. It can reduce pain. It's a natural analgesic analgesic. I can never say that word. Um, That's not how you say it. I can surely tell you that. Uh, But it's a natural pain reliever. One of the reasons that we forget about the pain of labor is because of oxytocin. In fact, it's a natural appetite suppressant. Um, It buffers against the harmful effects of high cortisol, so cortisol is a stress hormone, and if it's left unchecked, if it's just running rampant throughout the body, it can cause a lot of um, ill effects in the body, and so oxytocin helps to buffer some of those things. Um, It helps to improve the immune system, so oxytocin is especially helpful for those of us with autoimmune disease. It increases T regulatory cells. I talked about this a little bit in um, the blog and the the podcast that I did about autoimmunity and autoimmune flares. Oxytocin is so wonderful if you're experiencing a flare or stress or pain. Uh, Some pleasure, whether it's sexual or otherwise, can be really helpful. And then finally it increases muscle health and repair in the elderly. So oxytocin does a lot for our bodies, a lot of healing and repair. And what Liana Silver also says in that book, Feminine Genius, is that the very things you have assumed will ruin you, your impulses, your urges, desires, your erotic energy, are actually designed to reconnect you with your life force. Let that sink in. So all of these things that we've convinced ourselves are bad or that not, we're not worthy of, whether that's an appetite for food or a sexual appetite, right? We've told ourselves that these are bad. These will be the things that make me come undone. I am not to be trusted with these deep urges in my body. Not true. Not true at all. In fact, if you give in to those urges, guess what? It's actually leads you to better health. And maybe even happiness. So, all of this to say, don't overlook these old deep belief patterns. They could be contributing to your low libido. Don't just dive into, like, oh my gosh, I need more testosterone. Um, Really, really think about some of those things that I just said and ask yourself are those applicable to you? Now, if you normally have robust and healthy sex drive, and all of a sudden that just turns on a dime, that could be an indication that there was a hormonal shift. So, and, and and this is assuming that nothing else in your life really changed, like you didn't change partners or you know, nothing major significant happened in your life. If your body all of a sudden just starts acting differently than it did, that couldn't be an indication that something's going on internally and physiologically. So let's look at some of the potential causes for low libido. And the first place that we have to start is stress and adrenal exhaustion. So this really ties into a lot of what I was just speaking about, um, this belief that we have to be highly productive in order to feel worthy. That keeps us in overdrive because we're doing, 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 going, 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 and we never feel okay with slowing down. We don't give ourselves permission to pause. We don't let ourselves rest because we feel guilty about it. That guilty pleasure, right? Um, and if you're a perfectionist, I know a lot of you guys are who listen to the show because we tend to travel in packs. So, perfectionism it is another thing that keeps us locked into overdrive. Trying to perform well, trying to be of service, and also look good while doing it, it puts us into overdrive, right? I need to be high performing. I need to be of service to everybody. And I need to, be super skinny while I'm doing it. Um, I call it the modern American woman syndrome. It is it's just so common and I see it with so many of my clients. Your Hormone Revival, my 12-week hormone balancing program goes way in depth into all of what I'm about to talk about but this is a, a basic snapshot of how this overdrive, how this chronic stress can impact us physiologically it all starts with something called the HPA axis, which is your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis, it's the communication system between your brain and your adrenal glands, it's your whole stress response. And this HPA axis is supposed to turn on during acute stress, so it gets activated during times of acute stress that's our fight or flight response and then it's supposed to turn off when the acute stress is over and then we slip back into parasympathetic mode which is really the regulatory state for our body and for our hormones we want to be in parasympathetic our our relaxation response most of the time that's where healing happens that's where repair happens that's where hormonal balance happens but unfortunately in modern day it's rarely, if ever, turned off. That HPA axis is constantly and chronically activated because of these chronic low-grade stressors that we're always consistently um, exposed to. So if we're constantly stimulating stress hormone production, things like cortisol and DHEA and epinephrine and norepinephrine, the more that we're doing that, the less focused uh, we are on other hormones, like thyroid and sex hormones. As biological beings, we have two main goals in life it is survive and reproduce. But we're always going to prioritize survival over reproduction, right? Because what's the point of reproducing if we're dead? So we always prioritize survival. And if we're locked into a fight or flight response, our brain is basically screaming, Uh, hello, this body is not safe for reproduction. This body is not safe for hormonal imbalance. HPA axis dysfunction, it's also referred to as adrenal fatigue. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of whether or not adrenal fatigue is real, but HPA axis dysfunction and dysregulation, miscommunication is absolutely without a doubt real. And that is going to lead to abnormal cortisol levels, um, high or low. And that can also impact the oxytocin hormone, which I was talking about. So if you are super stressed and jacked up, that's going to impact your feelings of intimacy, which can then in turn impact your sex drive. And the reverse of that is also true. So it's sort of this like vicious cycle when you're in an activative stress response. Um, So issues at the level of the HPA axis, again, Adrenal fatigue, if you want to call it that, can lead to low libido in and of itself. That is, low libido is a big sign of adrenal dysfunction, but it can also lead to hormonal imbalance, like sex hormone imbalance, because if your body thinks it's in a life or death situation, it won't stimulate you to get all randy to go reproduce. Your body's super smart. It's not going to try to bring children into a perceived unsafe environment. And this is one of the main reasons why stress and adrenal issues are a leading contributor to infertility. If you're dealing with infertility, get your adrenals tested. And I'll talk about how to test all of this at the end of the episode. So that's the first and foremost thing. And anytime you have any type of hormonal imbalance, whether it's thyroid or your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, you always want to start at the level of the adrenals. That is, everything else is downstream from that. So you want to start upstream what's happening at the level of the adrenal glands, um, In my 12-week process, that is the first place that we start, and I do that for good reason. Um, Okay, so other problems to think about that could be contributing to low libido. The, uh, The next one is low progesterone. So symptoms of low progesterone would be low sex drive, obviously. Anxiety, irritability, mood changes. Progesterone is kind of like um a feel-good hormone it is anti-anxiety in nature so if you have a lot of problems with anxiety it would be a good idea to get your hormones checked out for this reason Um, sometimes boosting progesterone can make us feel better emotionally Um, other signs of low progesterone are irregular menstruation short cycles mid-cycle spotting um, hair loss cramps acne big wild mood swings insomnia or sleep disturbances, breast tenderness, headaches and migraines, and weight gain. So why would this be going on? What are some major causes of low progesterone? Often it's tied to stress. So like I said, adrenal dysfunction feeds into your sex hormones. When women are under stress, progesterone levels tend to drop pretty quickly and pretty dramatically that can throw us into something called estrogen dominance. I've been speaking about this quite a bit on my Instagram, so if you wanna learn more, you can go check out some of those posts. Um, with estrogen dominance, you might be making too much estrogen, you might be exposed to too much estrogen throughout your diet or your environment, we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, or you, your estrogen is just simply out of balance with progest- progesterone. So, um, and the interesting thing is that signs of progesterone deficiency can often mimic signs of estrogen dominance. So it's kind of like if you're looking at one hormone, you want to look at all hormones just to get a real beat on what's happening. Other causes of low progesterone are um, low cholesterol intake or a low fat diet. Cholesterol is the original building block for all of your hormones. This includes thyroid hormone as well. We need it to make something called pregnenolone, that is often referred to as the mother of all hormones. And pregnenolone then goes on to make progesterone. So we have to again swim upstream, look to the building blocks. Are we low in pregnenolone? Are we are we not getting enough cholesterol in the diet? Are we not getting enough fat in the diet? All of those things are going to contribute to low hormone status. Um, Low body fat is another contributor. Um, eating disorders, caloric restriction, overexercise. Um, and those two things combined, caloric restriction or carb restriction with overexercise, that is a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for adrenal fatigue, adrenal dysfunction, no doubt. And again, any type of adrenal dysfunction is going to cause sex hormone dysfunction. Um, and then chronic stress. Um, which I mentioned before. Other causes include hypothyroidism, that can affect progesterone, PCOS, we often see low progesterone levels in PCOS, high prolactin levels, and like I said before, estrogen dominance. So if any of that sounds familiar, you might be dealing with a low progesterone situation. Another cause of low libido is low estrogen. So you're starting to see a pattern, all of these low hormones. Um, symptoms of low estrogen include yeast infections recurring utis vaginal dryness uh, painful intercourse just those things alone would make somebody less likely to want to have sex i mean obviously right so if you're dealing with some of those things it could be an estrogen issue um just as a a aside coconut oil is a really safe um lubrication. If you are experienced vaginal dryness, coconut oil is a good, um, a good approach. A lot of, um, lubes that you can buy over the counter or, uh, like at the stores contain really yucky, gnarly ingredients that you don't want to put anywhere near your vagina. So, um, coconut oil for the win. Make sure that you're keeping it separate from your kitchen coconut oil. So you have like a bedroom or bathroom coconut oil, and then you've got a kitchen coconut oil, two separate containers. Other symptoms of low estrogen include low libido. We're talking about that. Hot flashes, night sweats, insomnia, mental fogginess, like brain fog, um, difficulty with memory, headaches, depression, heart palpitations, dry skin uh, that feeds into the uh, vaginal dryness as well, and then bone loss if it goes on for a long time. One of the biggest contributors to osteoporosis low estrogen. Um, Why? What are the causes of low estrogen? Uh, Well, we know that estrogen dips during perimenopause and in menopause. So sometimes it's just a matter of getting older, right? But chronic stress, HPA axis dysfunction, and this is true even in menopause. If you're going through menopause and you're experiencing a lot of these wild hormonal swings and symptoms, test your adrenals. What's happening there? If you support your adrenals, you in turn support your sex hormones. You can help to smooth out that transition. You can help to um, support your overall balance. Um, Estrogen and testosterone are really at the end of the hormone pathways, they're last. So if you're under chronic stress, if you've got adrenal problems, those sex hormones are going to be low. You're going to be in a deficit. Um, the other other things to think about for low estrogen are same thing as low progesterone, low cholesterol diet, uh, low fat diet. If you have low body fat, nutrient deficiencies, food sensitivities, childbirth can do it, breastfeeding. Um, your hormones after you give birth are super wonky wacky Uh, same thing with breastfeeding they're all over the place that's that's normal um but there are things that you can do lifestyle support and otherwise to make you feel less abnormal symptomatically and then hormonal birth control also impacts all of your sex hormones as well so keep that in mind and then finally we're going to talk about low testosterone we tend to think about this as the male hormone uh, but ladies, make it and we need it too. I went, in, in doing research on female hormones, I feel like I almost never hear about low testosterone in females. It's always high testosterone, like PCOS, high androgens. Um, but low testosterone is, is really real, especially if you've got that chronic, chronic stress response going. All of your hormones are low. Um, we need healthy testosterone levels to be receptive to sexual advances from our partner. So if you're feeling like, don't touch me, it could be a low testosterone issue. Um, So men are going to make this hormone in the testes. And we, as women, make it in the ovaries and we make a little bit in the adrenal glands. And about 50% of our testosterone comes from the conversions of androgens, including DHEA. So DHEA, it's another hormone. Um, If you're deficient in DHEA, this can also contribute to low testosterone. It can contribute to low libido. DHA is a stress hormone, and it can be low with chronic stress and adrenal fatigue. If we're pumping out a ton of cortisol, the, like our main stress hormone, um, we'll also release quite a bit of DHEA. To It kind of has a counteractive effect against cortisol. Cortisol is catabolic. It breaks things down. DHA is anabolic. It builds things up. So we'll pump out DHEA. But if we're doing this over a long period of time, then eventually DHEA gets low. So um It all comes back to stress, my babies. So DHA naturally declines with age. It really peaks in our 20s. But if you're under chronic stress, it will prematurely decline your DHEA levels. And we need DHEA for vaginal health, pelvic floor health, sexual health breast health, bone health. That's another um, common cause of low bone density and osteoporosis, low DHEA. Uh, Brain health, and then resiliency. Resiliency to stress. Look, we're not trying to avoid all stressors in our life. That's nearly impossible. Um, We just want to make sure that we're setting up, we're not overburdening our body with stress, but ultimately our, 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 human body should be able to be resilient against some stressors, and DHEA helps with that. And then symptoms of low testosterone, so what to look for um, to indicate maybe you've got some low T, low libido, fatigue, vaginal dryness, worry, anxiety, fear. This is something that I learned recently and I thought was really cool. Testosterone is kind of like our anti-fear hormone, which is pretty cool. So if you're having a lot of uh, catastrophe thoughts, a lot of fearful thoughts. That might be an indication that your hormones are off, especially if that's not normal for you. Um, other symptoms of low T: aches and pains, foggy thinking, memory issues, low muscle mass, weight gain, wrinkled skin, sagging cheeks, and thin lips. So it's sort of like an anti-aging hormone a little bit. Um, I mean, all of our hormones are really are really like that. So. I guess that's not fair to say. But um, I've talked about this on the show before. I um, I was feeling a little bit off. Um, these are the things that I was experiencing. Difficulty putting on muscle mass, like despite all best efforts. And also I was like starting to see age in my skin. My skin just looked a little bit different and it happened pretty quickly and they both happened together. And I'm like. Huh, that's really weird. So I ran a Dutch test on myself. That's the hormone test that I run in my practice. And it came back that I had really low testosterone. Well, isn't that interesting? Um, So I'm not going to share. I've been turning things around and supporting hormone balance with really good results um i'm definitely seeing so with hormones there's not like an immediate rebound effect I just want to like put that out there like you're not gonna do some implementation then a month later you're like everything's great um it takes like a solid three to six months to start to see change so i'm at like three month mark and i'm like finally noticing some turnaround. Um, I'm not going to share specifically what I'm doing to improve my hormones because what's appropriate for me may not be appropriate for you. Um, But we'll get into that nitty gritty with your hormone revival and figure out what actually is appropriate for you. Um, One thing that I've been using for my skin is, because I'm going to be honest with what I'm doing, I'm not going to... Try to make it sound like it's just eating more leafy greens, um, <laughs> it's using Beauty Counter's new counter time collection, and um, it I've been using it for like three or four weeks now, and like, damn, it's made a difference. Like, I see a difference, so that's kind of cool. I will say this this is like so funny because my uncle and I don't have this type of relationship, but I was in my brother's wedding a couple of weeks ago and was one of the bridesmaids and the oldest bridesmaid, because I was my, you know, whatever, I'm the oldest sister. And my uncle at the reception pulled me aside and he's like, when I saw you walking down the aisle at the church, he's like, I just want to let you know that like you look the youngest out of everybody there. And I don't know why he said that to me. I swear we don't have that type of relationship. And he's like, this is so unprompted. It's like weird that I'm even saying this. But I almost started to cry because I turned 35 this year. And for whatever reason, this is the first year that I've like really noticed myself aging and I'm having a hard time with it. And it's total vanity, not gonna lie. And I understand that this feels like very antithetical to my whole female empowerment stance. I talk so much about body positivity and like not late letting societal norms dictate what we feel like we should look like. Um, but this is really something like feeling like I'm aging is really something that I am processing and working through on my own time. I am all about transparency here, um, on the Functional Nutrition Podcast and Aaron Holt Health. I, I I just try to be as open and honest and forthcoming as possible. Um, but I, I've been struggling with it for real. So again, something I'm processing, I, I, I'm working through it and I'm working through it out loud as I do with most things on a public platform. And I'm not welcoming judgment about it at all. But um, anyway, that you know, the the my lower hormones, um, estrogen was also on the lower side. Most likely stems from chronic stress. It's something that is uh, something that I'm constantly working on. But anyway, let's talk about causes of low testosterone. So, why would we have low T? comes back to the same things as uh, the other hormones. Low cholesterol, low fat diet, low body fat, eating disorders, caloric restriction, overexercise, chronic stress. All that can certainly contribute to low testosterone, which is funny because um, one of the ways to boost testosterone is to lift weights, um, you know, to do some resistance training that actually helps to improve testosterone, but doing too much can also lower your hormones. Um, H- HPA axis dysfunction, the adrenal fatigue, same deal. It's going to contribute to low T. Nutrient deficiencies, poor diet, blood sugar dysregulation. This is huge, 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 huge for hormones. If you have hormonal imbalances, this is really the first place you've got to start. Um, other th- Other dietary things that are linked to low testosterone, trans fats, consumption of soy products, alcohol consumption, and then also refined sugar. The alcohol thing is tricky because alcohol absolutely affects our hormones. It affects um, growth hormone while we sleep. It can affect melatonin. It uh, obviously, like I just said, it affects testosterone. It affects estrogen. Um, it can contribute to estrogen dominance. So if you've got hormonal imbalance, take a look at your cocktails. Um, other things, smoking weed, low T, sorry to report don't shoot the messenger i'm just reporting the facts um obesity is another thing that can tr- contribute to um low testosterone now i'm not talking about 5 or 10 pounds on your on your frame like extra pounds i'm using air quotes when i say extra on your frame i'm talking about um a, like obesity so our Adipose tissue, our fat cells, have the ability to convert testosterone into estrogen through something called aromatization. So, if we, this is especially true if we have, um, you know, an influx of estrogen through the environment. We're just taking that testosterone in our fat cells, and we're converting it into more estrogen. And this is why we're seeing estrogen dominance even in men, um, because our our own body fat is is affecting our hormone status. Um, Other causes of low T, mold, biotoxins, oxidative stress, um, like heavy metals and infections, hypothyroidism, so thyroid issues affect sex hormones, and then certain medications like corticosteroids, statins, opioids, beta blockers, SSRIs, and birth control, hormonal birth control. So it's a lot for you guys to chew on. Now, what the heck can we do about it? If you're like, yeah, that's me, that's, I'm experiencing some of this, what can you do about it? First things first, we start with lifestyle, we start with diet, we start with food. We don't just jump into, give me something to affect my hormones. We like, you know, oh, I'm gonna take tribulus and maca and all these things to, to boost my hormones. Start with lifestyle, lay the foundation, don't try to build your house on sand. First things first, clean up your diet. You need a nutrient dense diet. Um, You know, my carb compatibility project does that. So does my fueled and fit. You know, you can jump on the next round of my CCP, but if you're looking to get started right away on how to clean up your diet, how to shift to a whole foods diet, how to eat more nutrient dense foods in order to support your hormones. Fueled and Fit is a self-study. You can purchase that anytime. Go at your own pace. It's a 21-day program, but you could do it over 21 months if you wanted to. You know, go at your own pace. Just work those good foods in and learn how to eat. Learn about your food source. Learn about the food system. It's all so damn important. Number two, balance your blood sugar. I've said this a bunch of times on the show, or at least, or maybe it's on Instagram. I don't even know anymore. Um... But one of the the most important things you can do for hormonal imbalance is to, to regulate your blood sugar. You cannot have good control of your hormones and good balance if your blood sugar is all over the place. So that's low blood sugar, that's high blood sugar, and that's fluctuations in between the two. I've done an episode... Let's see, I believe it's episode 55, all about blood sugar, how to know if you've got low or high blood sugar, what to do about it. So check out that episode. But um, with the Carb Compatibility Project, I dedicated four weeks of this nutrition program to balancing your blood sugar. We use uh, low-carb, high-fat principles to optimize your health and your metabolism. It's really like functional medicine meets deep nutrition. Hormones come from fat. We need fat. We need cholesterol. And higher fat diets can really help with hormone regeneration. So we're talking about low hormone status in this episode. What do you do to build up that hormone status? Eat fat. Low fat diets have done so much to damage our mental health, our brain health, and our hormonal health. I think we're, we're... really moving away from the low-fat movement Um, but this is just to reinforce that a high-fat diet is super super beneficial for female hormones Um, the third thing you want to do is manage your stress i don't have enough time to get into that here i just created a 12-week program based on this Um, but go back to episode 63 we talk a lot about this i mean we talk a lot about this on the show all over the place but that episode in particular is very good how to manage burnout symptoms Four, liver support for phase one and phase two and really even phase three detoxification. Um, phase three happens in the gut, not so much in the liver. But um, it is liver health and proper detoxification is so necessary for hormonal imbalance. It's so funny because anytime I talk about detox um, it's like, it gets the least amount of traction. Um, I recently shared on Instagram that my carb compatibility project actually started off as a detoxification program. I was learning a ton about environmental toxins and their effect on systemic health. And I was like, oh my God, everybody needs this information. When I learn about something, I get so jacked up. I'm like, I have to broadcast it across the world. Hence this podcast, (laughs) PS. Um, so I was like, everybody needs to know, everybody's going to be as excited about this information as I am. So I wanted to create recipes and food plans that supported the liver's ability to clear these daily toxins, and then I quickly realized that not a ton of people are interested in a detox program, which is funny and something that I want to point out to any entrepreneurs out there listening, because I know that there's a lot of practitioners listening. you're gonna fail <laughs> like you're gonna have ideas that are a total incomplete bust don't let yourself be crippled by this just learn from your failures and move on I think what um, this is like just like my piece of business advice I think what happens is people get so crippled by launching something that that doesn't succeed and then they're like oh my god I'm a failure I can never do this again no just learn from it why didn't this work was it the way you marketed it was it the way like the time that you marketed it was it the content you know are you speaking to your audience does your audience even care about the content you're putting out there all of that Um, just use it as a pivot. pivot pivot point and move on Um, I shouldn't, didn't let that slow me down. I tried to teach detox workshops. I tried to run a detox program, it was a bust. Um, And I think the reason for it, all of this to say, I think the reason why people are really turned off by the idea of detox, it has lost all validity because the diet and wellness culture really like pushes weird things like detox teas and cleansing systems and they like just push it down our throats and we're like, no, I don't want that. Um we've kind to we've come to associate the term detox with like quackery or fad or hoax or whatever. And it's unfortunate because it's so important and liver health and detoxification is an absolute requisite for hormone balance so don't throw the baby out with the bath water we want to damn the man screw diet culture but we want to make sure we're holding on to like the things that are really important and even though wellness culture has co-opted this idea of detox it's still real it's still valid and it's still super important so um That's what I have to say about that. And then number five, what can you do about hormonal imbalance? You want to get environmental hormones out of the picture. So ways to do this in your day-to-day life, plastic, avoid plastic whenever possible, as much as possible. Don't let your food sit in plastic. Don't heat your food in plastic. Always choose your health over convenience. Plasticizers, uh, so the, the chemicals in plastics are endocrine disruptors. They're known endocrine disruptors. They basically scramble up your hormones. So if we're constantly uh, in contact with plastic, it's going to affect your hormones. Like it just is. Don't run to your endocrinologist and be like, I need to be put on hormone supplements or hormone replacement. Get the plastic out of your life. We have to start with these basic foundational building blocks. It's so stinking important, you guys. Um, another one is your personal care products and your cosmetics. So many products contain xenoestrogens. Xenoestrogens are chemicals that mimic estrogen in the body and obviously create hormonal imbalance in the body. It's it's really happening. It's a very big deal. This is one of the things, I'm sure I've said this on the show before, but in all of the uh, schooling and education and trainings that I do in the functional medicine space, this comes up over and over and over and over again. It's really impacting our hormone levels, um, the stuff that we're putting on our skin, because this industry is not regulated. So that's a little bit scary. So you want to make sure that you're choosing non-toxic and safe ingredients. Um, I love Beauty Counter. That's what I use. But you could also go to the EWG, the Environmental Working Group, go to their Skin Deep database and find some products that are considered safe. Really important for you, for your kiddos, for everybody cleaners and other household products you want to make sure that you're using non-toxic cleaners make sure you're saying no to anything with synthetic fragrance like scented candles glade plugins uh scented hand soaps bathroom sprays i feel like i live in a bubble and i forget what the rest of the world is doing until like i step into a public restroom or i go to somebody's house and i'm like oh my god i feel like i'm being suffocated with the amount of chemical fragrances there are and I get when I talk about this a lot of people ask me what about essential oils essential oils are totally fine they do not this totally different we're talking about synthetic fragrances so like man-made fragrances different ball game so if you're using essential oils good on you totally fine Um, but everything else that smells like perfumes and all that kind of stuff hard no they scramble up your hormones. So some non-tox- bleh, non-toxic cleaners that I really like, Branch Basics, that's a great brand. Um, you can just DIY it. So I will mix up hydrogen peroxide, water, and essential oils to do like an all-purpose cleaner. Uh, Norwex is another company that I really like. They make those um, microfiber cloths. Um, I have a dry mop and a wet mop from them. They're great in a bunch of their cloths. They work really well. All you use is water. I believe they have silver in their cloth, so it's antimicrobial. Um, and then any like either of the all-purpose cleaners, either from DoTerra or Young Living. Um, I know some of you guys are essential oils reps. Those are both great too. They just smell really lovely. Um, they're definitely on the more expensive side, but they last forever because you dilute them down so much. So those are all awesome options for cleaning in your house. Stay away from those toxic cleaners. It affects your liver. It affects your hormones. It affects your overall health and then water too. That's something that you want to be conscientious of episode 68, We talked all about clean water and how things like hormones can turn up in our drinking water. So make sure you have a good water filter for your drinking water. So again, just to reiterate, you really wanna start with lifestyle, the lifestyle medicine, the deep nutrition. You wanna avoid exposure to environmental hormone disruptors. You could potentially add in some supplements and botanicals. We'll unpack that so much in your hormone revival. But these things combined are just so powerful to restore your natural reserves and to regain resiliency. And this is exactly what we will do in the 12-week process of Your Hormone Revival, pull together all of these these foundational building blocks. Now, if you are in need of a deeper intervention, let's say you're already doing all of those things, Um, what's your next step? And the the important thing to note is that you don't really want to spot treat hormones because it's the balance of hormones that makes the difference. That's super powerful so you don't want to go and say oh i'm low in progesterone i better give myself more progesterone sometimes it works like that um, but not always because the way that hormones work in the body is really quite complex and i'm not saying that to sound condescending like oh it's too confusing for you to understand with your peasant mind um that's not what i'm saying here it's just that the communication and signaling systems are are really intricate and We have a philosophy in our nation of a pill for every ill, right? I have a problem, I pop a pill. And that doesn't apply here. That doesn't apply to hormones. So if you're low in progesterone, just doing hormone replacement therapy and taking progesterone doesn't always fix the problem. It might alleviate symptoms and make you feel better short term, but it doesn't always resolve the underlying issue. So for example, if HPA axis dysfunction is driving progesterone deficiency, taking a progesterone cream doesn't actually solve for that. Um, And then there's these series of negative feedback loops, which maintains the balance of hormones in the blood and in the body. And this is what I'm talking about with like, it's not as simple as A plus B equals C (laughs) or one plus two equals three. when we have a decrease in the concentration of a hormone, that's gonna stimulate the secretion of that particular hormone because the body is sensing that it's low, so it produces and it releases more. And the opposite of that is also true. True, If there's an increase in concentration of a hormone, it can inhibit the hormone secretion because again, the body senses that there's enough, so it's gonna stop producing it, right? If, that's what the feedback loop is all about. And this could be a potential problem with taking hormones. It kind of messes up or even breaks those feedback loops. And we obviously don't want to do that. Now, different practitioners will have different viewpoints on this, but the way that I was trained and my own personal naturopath, Dr. Beth Devlin, she takes a very conservative approach to hormone replacement therapy. Her philosophy and viewpoint is that a lot of this hormone intervention is new, and we simply don't know the long-term effects of hormone replacement therapy, Therapy, and in fact, most of, or I shouldn't say moach, but much of her practice is helping women get off HRT, hormone replacement therapy, because it's messing them up so badly. So that's not trying to scare you off, but it's just, um, you know, some people actually do need Hormones. Um, If you end up going in that direction, you want to do bio identical hormones. That's very, very important. Um, And again, before you even get to that point, you want to start with the food, start with the lifestyle, start with the environmental piece first. Set up your building blocks and then give yourself like a solid three, six months and then see where you net out if you're still experiencing deep um, deep hormone imbalance, then it's time to do a deeper dive. Is there something going on with your gut or do you just really need some, um, external intervention? Um, and that's going to bring me to my last point. Don't even consider hormonal intervention without testing. Um, and I, am kind of going to extend this even to like using herbs and, um, you know, supplements to boost hormone production or to affect hormone production. I guess this, this is probably a conservative approach too, but like just don't go willy-nilly trying to muck up your hormones. Like get tested, see where you're at before you start to change them. Um, I am just shocked by how many of my clients come to me and they've been put on estrogen without ever having their estrogen being tested. They're like, oh, vaginal dryness, let's just slap some estrogen on it. Yeah, maybe that helps, but don't we wanna monitor this? Don't we wanna see what the rest of the hormones are doing? Um, or like somebody is, is being placed on DHEA for years because they originally tested as low DHEA, but then they're never tested again. Like that's not good. Um, there are different ways to test hormones. I've talked about this on the show before. One is through blood, one is through saliva, and then one is through urine, In my practice, and then also in Your Hormone Revival, we use the Dutch test, um, which is dried urine. And it looks at sex hormones like estrogens, testosterone, and uh, progesterone metabolites. And it also looks at your adrenal hormones like cortisol and DHEA. Thyroid, we test through blood. That's the only way to test thyroid, so that is a blood draw. And so I just wanna take a moment to shout out that program. It's gonna launch in September. What I have to do is I could only open up registration to my waitlist. Um, as it stands right now, only 16% of my waitlist is going to be able to enroll. The way that the pro- the the this 12-week program is set up, there's going to be a lot of interaction from me. Um, because I'm gonna be analyzing your labs and writing out protocols. So I don't want to bite off more than I can chew. So I am going to have to limit enrollment, uh, unfortunately. But um, I will be running this program again in the winter. I think February is the next time I'm gonna run it. So if you don't make it on this round, sit tight, there will be another round. And that's really my goal is to run this two to three times a year just consistently so everybody can get in and get their hormones all regulated. Um, My private practice is really starting to shift to more gut healing and microbiome restoration. What I'm seeing more and more and more and more clinically play out is that it is so hard to heal the gut when there is rampant HPA axis, adrenal dysfunction, or even hormonal imbalance. Um, and, And you could argue that the reverse of that is true. It could be hard to balance hormones if there's a huge gut infection, but I think the the first place to start is really assessing what's happening at the level of the adrenals, what's happening with the hormones, and start there. So this 12-week process outlines the entire starting point, and in fact, I just wish it, it's where everyone would start, and I might even get to the point where I say, in order to work with me one-on-one, you must first start with this program, but who knows? who knows where I'll go. I'm just along for the ride, co-creating with you guys based off what I'm seeing in my practice, based off what you're asking for. So as always, thank you for being along for the ride and thank you for giving me your feedback. It's always super, super duper helpful. Speaking of which, if you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe And leave me a review on iTunes. That is so helpful in getting the word out. Um, Really, really helpful. If you leave a star review and then a written review, that's amazing. All right. So that wraps up this episode. Um, I hope you got some insight onto low libido and what to do if you've got like low hormones, man. All right. I will check you later. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.